Welcome off the post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mingione. And how are you? Doing good, Russell. Yourself? Eh, you know, slow, slow times, not much going on in the hockey world. Uh, Michael Jello, how are you? Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Well, I am I, I, complaining to the Leafs that last night's game was pretty boring and uneventful. Yeah, I, I didn't even know the Leafs played last night. All right, so let's, so let's get into it. Um, I was watching the Rangers-Sharks game. I know that's not necessarily the best game to watch, but I like to watch Shesterkin and see how he's progressing. And, and he was doing great and making some great saves, made a great save on Evander Kane on a breakaway. And at that point, well, I didn't do it last night, but I was thinking I, I wrote this article about Shesterkin for EP Ringside, so I posted it again this morning because it was from during the summer because, you know, he was a guy that was, highly sought after. So it's nice to see him do well, and, and the Rangers are on this little run, but I don't fully believe in it. Even though I picked them preseason for the playoffs, I still don't believe in it because I just think they're going to come up short. But it's nice to, for him to, to lead it because it's good for confidence. But then, you know, I switched to the Leafs game when I just saw a tweet that said, you know, both goalies were out. So, of course, there's a Mavid for, you know, there's, there's, you always have this morbid fascination that, Let's see what the backup goalie's like. And so I, I turned the game on, and, and it's Hockey Night in Canada. And they had more detail on, on this backup goalie than anybody could ever have on a backup goalie. So, you know, you found out that he's the Marley Zamboni driver. and They didn't talk about the kidney transplant until later. Like, I only saw that from NBC. But they talked about everything else and how his last, you know, competitive game was 11 years ago. And so they're digging, and... So this guy's in there, and, 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 you know, you see a couple goals quick, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, all right, this, the Leafs could get back in this game, even though the Leafs did give up a power play goal when he was, he was in, the, in there, but that's fine. I mean, that stuff's going to happen. But then, Mike, it, what really happened in this game that was truly fascinating was it got to be the end of the period. The, the Leafs had sort of squandered shooting chances they just they just weren't shooting and this backup goalie got out of that period with with just two goals and they didn't have any real shots like I, they only got eight shots in total on them so I'm going to say they maybe got two other shots on them that period and I'm thinking wow he might come out of the third period with a little confidence and sure enough in the third period like he had to make one or two good saves and he did and all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, this is going really bad, horribly bad for the Leafs. This is now mental. And I had some fun on Twitter, obviously. I was tweeting different things. I said this no, is No, really? Yeah, you know, I said this is a true miracle on ice. Because, honestly, like, these backup goalies don't stay in this long. They don't stay in for a period and a half. They don't no. make saves on Austin Matthews. Like, it, it just doesn't happen. So I imagine it was pretty surreal and... The crowd wasn't overly hostile. They seemed more stunned and just, like, wanted to probably have a good cry. That's what it seemed like to me. Midway through the third period when he made a save, I think it was on Zach Hyman. The crowd yeah, it was on Hyman. Cheered, yeah, the crowd cheered him. 
Yeah. And I think in part it was because, okay, this is like the George Plimpton moment, and that was like in a preseason game. But this is like a George Plimpton moment where, where, they, where this guy comes in. You know, he's the Marley Zamboni driver. He had dressed as an emergency goalie a couple years ago for the Marlies. All these things. But, you know, the narrative was just like, my God, what, what, this is unbelievable. But it was also sort of in criticism of their own club because – I mean, I saw the same thing that you saw from the press box. They struggled once, once Ayers was put in the game. And by the way, Peter Morazic is an idiot for going out like he did and exposing himself. And it wasn't like, you know, Clifford went out to, like, assassinate him. It was just like he went out, they went out for the puck and they collided. But when you're the, when you're the only goalie out there to do that, it's just idiotic. Yeah. But when, when Ayers comes in, what Brenda Moore did was the smartest thing that he could do, which is let's play the trap. We're up. Yep. Let's play, you know, like, let's limit the shots on goal. Let's make it tough for the Leafs to get into the zone. And the Leafs tried to, tried to continue to play their carry the puck in the zone a method, which doesn't work against the trap. You have to dump it in. You have to go yep. and get the defense. And their defense was short because Pesci had gotten hurt, on, I think, on the second goal. Yeah. But the Leafs refused to adjust. And after the game, like, and, they, and they played that 1-2-2 two, two trap, the rest of the game, and the Leafs refused to dump it in only like a couple times. They tried to carry it in. They tried to make the long pass. It didn't work. And they just kept doing the same. And the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. Right. And, after the, yeah, and after the game, we said, well, did you sort of like get psyched out or something like, you know, trying to just get shots on goal? And, and, and Tavares said, no, it's like we, we just were trying to do what we normally do, and it wasn't working. And I'm like, there is your answer right there. You right. don't do what you normally do. You have to adjust because you've got a goaltender in there who can't stop a friggin' beach ball. But they didn't get enough shots. And, and you know, the, the, just the, the, fi- the final thing was they're down 4-3 to three going in the third period. They give up two really bad goals. Their, their, their defense is completely incompetent. And at that point, I said to myself, this guy's going to win the game. And, to, you know, he was named the first star. He deserves it. But the Leafs are a train wreck right now. Anthony? <laughs> God, how do I follow up with Mike, with what Mike just said? I mean, pretty much, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I guess, looking at it more from the, uh, I, guess, I guess like many fans are looking from it from the, uh, from Ayers' perspective, and, and certainly for me, almost a strange reaction is going to be is, you know, he has, Mike has stood in in practice for the team in, in, at times, right? Right, in, in, sure. So yeah, that reaction is going to be really um, interesting. <laughs> well, I, I don't, Anthony. I don't think he's going to lose his job. But he, but the oh, one no, thing no, is, no, no, no. I, he, I'm not saying that. But it's going to be like you know, he's going to he, they're going to poke they're going to poke fun at him pretty. Oh good. yeah, he's, well, he's going to get it pretty good. Well, let me give you one quick narrative. Um, the because I said this is the low this is the low point of the Leafs season. The only argument would, to that would be that pit, game in Pittsburgh in November when Mike Babcock when uh, Kazmir Kaskasuo led in I think six goals and they, they lost mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh and then Babcock got fired a couple days later. Interesting little note: Ayers was wearing Kazmir Kaskasuo's pads and mask handed <laughs> down. So there you go. I had, from one I saw, point to another. I was looking at the mask and helmet. I was wondering about it. It was definitely. I could see it was. A, it was. It was a Marley's mask. It was, it was Marley's, Marley's yeah. yeah. So I had a few. So and I'm like, and I know this. There's no way a Zamboni driver obviously has, has a Marley's paint job. So somebody loaned him his gear. Somebody loaned him his gear. So that answers my question, Mike, as to who loaned him uh, 
loaned him the gear. That's just, wow. But, again, my reaction to it was, I guess it was, my unlike Russ, who immediately goes to the, ha-ha, look at the Leafs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> troll, troll my It was hard Russ. not to. It was really hard not to. His his right. troll per 60 yesterday, considering me sitting next to him in the, in the Wells Fargo Center press box, and he's going, starting versus the Winnipeg, starting versus the Winnipeg Jets yesterday, and then continuing with the Leafs. I'm like, my goodness, Russ is a damn trolling all-star today. <laughs> his, his troll Corsi was very high. <laughs> exactly. So it was just like part of the courses I'm seeing these things going up on the uh, on the old feed and, and in our in our DM box, and it was just you know I, I was looking at more from wow this is this is just you know kind of this is a really a remarkable thing, and I know I the one thing that I thought was interesting was I saw Pierre uh, LeBron's tweet about you know the GM meetings coming up and the discussion yeah. of whether or not there's going to be a adjustment in e-bug protocol. Uh, you know, on the menu in regards to it. And we were kind of going back and forth a little bit this morning with that discussion. Uh, on yeah. DM, right? like, so you think, Mike, lay out what you think will be the possible thing that might occur here. Well, I, I, I said that, you know, because first of all, I mean, it didn't turn out this way, but do you think Carolina would have been a little bit, and, and, and I know this guy, was, you know, Ayers was coming out there, and he was just going to do his best, but he is the Marley's Zamboni driver. He is just, he's got a guy who practiced with the Leafs. It's like, you're not exactly getting a guy who, who, um, who in, in, a, in a perfect world probably would have wished he had lost because it was the team that he works for. But, but you never like, get that. Like, the way the rule is, it can never be that. Right. But, but, and, and this was a good, you know, the, the, uh, the situation that happened a few years ago with Luongo and Al Montoya uh, when they both got hurt and injured yeah. Luongo had to come back, coincidentally, against the Leafs, that was what spurred to having the emergency backup in each place. I think they're probably going to have to have two because, okay, what happens if Ayers gets hurt? And, you know, he can't. Then a player suits up. Then a player suits up. Tough luck. Yeah, I mean, the, the rule was, and they That's were talking an, about yeah. this during, they were talking about this during the intermission, it was impossible for the Hurricanes to be able to find themselves a goaltender because at 5 p.m. on the day of the game, their roster basically has to be set. So right. They couldn't have activated Jason Mazzotti, the goaltending coach, or something like that because no. that was what was going to happen. And I watched Florida. Jason Mazzotti as a Ranger. You don't want to activate him. <laughs> but 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 there is going to have to be some solution, like you know, unless a, a team just brings along an emergency backup that sits in the crowd or sits in the press box, and if something happens, I mean, it, it may be a little bit more of an expense, but you know, it could have it could have turned out a lot different than it did. But based on what happened yesterday with Ayers getting a, a champagne or a beer shower after yep. uh, I think it was a beer shower, first, yeah. Yeah, getting named first star of the game. I mean, it all turned out well, but I think that the league is probably going to have to make some sort of adjustment. In their, I don't think so. Leave it alone. It's fine. I, I disagree. This, oh, this rarely happens. And if you, ha- you know what? If it happens in Major League Baseball and you lose your catcher, guess what? Somebody suits up his catcher, right? It's the same thing. You don't, I'm not worried about it. I'm not. Well, all I can say is there, there are three narratives here. One, the error story, which is great. It'll probably be made into a Disney movie or something. It was like pure that. joy, Mike. I was feeling, and it wasn't the hate towards the Leafs. I was feeling pure joy for this guy. Like, and yeah. everybody was. Even Leafs fans felt it. Even, and Shel- that was a even great Sheldon thing. Keith. 
Even Sheldon yeah. keeps that he felt he's like you know, obviously our point of view is we want to win the game, but I for a, as a guy it, it's great for so it was that yeah it was all then it was all then it was the 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 leaf narrative in terms of you know what it says about this team in the fact that like three of the last four games they had this one great game against Pittsburgh on Thursday, but three complete and utter tire fires right before the trade deadline, and then the other one is. You know, Tyson Berry's name out is out there in trade rumors, and in the first period, he gets run by Svechnikov, skates off the ice like he had, had a separated shoulder, and then miraculously comes back in the second period. I would say the odds of Tyson Berry being traded before 3 p.m. tomorrow went up to over 50%. Sure, but that's not enough. Like, this is, a, this is something mental, and this is something where they almost need, like, an ice bucket poured over this team to sort of wake them up. Because no coach is able to do it at this point. And I saw Keith, you know, run off the bench totally pissed off. So they have to not only remove him, but they have to remove a regular player. They have to get rid of somebody from that team so when they come in there on Tuesday, that player is no longer there and they realize, okay, you know what? This is on us now. That's the only way it's going to cure it. Well, I I, I don't know. They were talking about moving Barry before this disaster. So if they do move, but he's Barry, an outsider. It's not going to help. Right, but I, but Russ, I, I don't think they're going to react reflexively. I mean, it might even be a mistake to do that. Uh, I don't think it is. Of, well, uh, but the problem is you're you're opening yourself up to the possibility of getting of getting robbed to make a deal for the sake of making a deal. All I all I know is this: observing what I saw last night, I saw Brendan Shanahan walk into the Leafs locker room after the game with not a great look on his face and go into the area where they where they uh, hang out after after games, not like out in the public uh, locker room. They had that. You had Sheldon Keefe not come out for about 20 minutes after the game where I think either he was powwowing with Dubas and Shanahan or he was just trying to cool down because he, he ran off of that bench like uh, Usain Bolt in the Olympics. Yeah. So, I, I mean, something's going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be like them trading Nealander or Kapanen or something like that. I think that's going to happen in the summer. I think Dubas realizes that there's something dysfunctional on this team that they just don't seem to want to have to play the type of game that they have to play to win, and that's been symptomatic of this team through Babcock and even going back to Carlisle, and it's just something that just has to change. Otherwise, they're never going to win. They it just I'm telling you, they have to do something. I you can get fair value, and you know what? If they don't, this season's over. Mentally, this season's over. Like you could say whatever you want about what they are, who they're playing, how skilled they are, and and I'll I'll go to Anthony with this one, but. And then we'll move on to another subject. But, Ann, sure. you could see when something is mental, and, and this is definitely mental for them. Oh, there's no question about that right now, I think, with the Leafs. It's definitely mental. It's just, you know, they are, you know, easiest phrase I can say is that they're, they're playing less than the sum of their parts. I mean, there's definitely right. some structural things without them roster-wise that have some concerns. But, but considering the talent level of the team, um, it's, it, it's definitely a cause for concern. This should be a team that should be – you know, in a very solid position for the postseason in terms of, you know, ma- you know making it. And now, they're, they're, you know, if the slide continues, there's some genuine concern about, you know, their, their makeup. And, again, going from Babcock to, uh, to Keith, you know, we thought that was going to be enough of a shakeup. But when you start hearing many of the same concerns and, in some cases, even harsher tones, I think, from, um, from Sheldon Keith, 
at the end of the day, the, they have the, those players have to start looking in the mirror. Yep. All right. So we we move on. We'll um, let's talk a little Philly Winnipeg. That was a uh, a really big win for the Flyers. I mean they they do play differently at home in the first ten minutes of a game compared to the road. The first mm-hmm. ten minutes of the game, I I still contend with that, but. Home is home, and you do want to own home ice, and, and they do a good job with that. Winnipeg, I do have some concerns about. Defensively, they, they did become a jumbled mess. Um, Philly took advantage of every one of their mistakes. Hellebuck was a little shaky that game, most of the game. That happens. I mean, I'm not going to kill Hellebuck. He had a great season. Uh, I think it's clear. I'm going to say two things. I think it's clear that Sean Couturier is the best player on the team in all facets of the game. Like, it's everything. <laughs> He is the, their best player. There's nobody even close in my eyes. Connecting may be close in points, but as far as what production on the ice and impact on the game, he, he's far and away their, their best player, which is a positive. I mean, that's, you know, that's a good thing. And the other thing I would take away from the game is defensively they have definitely gotten better, and I give A.V. credit for that because, you know, there's not a lot of difference. They, they brought in the two guys. They've made a difference, but even now, even the forward group, even Voracek is playing good defensively. So, you know, yeah. AV, Couturier, all those things are rolling right, but they are in a hot streak, and I want to caution everybody, just because you think you could win the division in the Metro, there's a lot of games left, and it's probably not going to happen. Still 20 games remaining in the regular, in the, in the regular season. That's, you know, a, a lot of games. Now, that being said, you know, you want this? This is a position you know. Philadelphia's worked hard to get to uh, to yeah. get to this point of the season. Had their road record been a bit better, they could very well be challenged. You know, could be potentially leading the division that they were a yeah. little bit better on the road. And again, of late, I think they have been better. It's their starts more than anything on the road, as we yep. talked about last week, that have been hurting them. They're able, They're not you know getting blown out from behind. But again. When you start putting yourself in a two nothing, three nothing hold on the road, you're, it's it's tough to battle back. Now they've been able to do that in several games of late, but it's good to, to, to try to be able to establish that mindset going forward. Going to your point on Sean Couturier, yeah, I don't think anybody at this point is going to question the fact that Sean Couturier is, is the Flyers' best player. You take Couturier out of the lineup, you lose a lot, especially yep. um, again just from the overall aspect of everything that he does on the ice, faceoffs. Um, he's just a complete player. Um, is, is he an elite offensive player? No, but I think he's he's getting you know in terms of his consistent um, his consistent offensive performance, whether it's goals or assists in most circumstances. Uh, he's been of late very you know very hot. I think yesterday was his sixth or seventh goal in the last nine games. So you know that's starting to go up as a team in general. Um, again, he, he's a really really valuable component. Now the thing I like about Philadelphia's defense right now is how I think they are, how they've set up their pairs now, and how it really helps that that Travis Sanheim and Phil Myers have really turned into a really effective pairing because yep. they have very similar attributes to each other: big, rangy, mobile defensemen uh, who are willing to play, you know, physical, uh, physical defensively. And that allows you to play a Robert Haig and, and, a, and, a, and a Justin Braun in a third pair role that works to their strength in the amount of time that they're out there. And then you have Ivan Pro, you have Ivan Provorov and Matt Niskanen who are an excellent shutdown pair when you're trying to nail down games late. Biggest thing I think Philadelphia has shown of late is um, 
much, you know, when they were challenged by Winnipeg, when it got to 3-2, they tightened things up and got the critical goal that they needed in order to be able to put the Jets away. And that's something, again, again, they've done it at home, and you want to see it a little bit more on the road. But overall, uh, yes, there's a long stretch left. Other teams may make a wave. Now, obviously, we know Columbus has been slipping, but I do think, you know, you do still have to keep an eye, obviously, on the Rangers. Carolina very well could take a lot of um, – of emotion from that from that game in Toronto and potentially use it as a building point going forward in solidifying their playoff hopes. So the division's very close. You slip just a little bit in the Metro right now. Oh yeah, you're back. You're you're in trouble. There's no question. Philadelphia doesn't have any choice in the matter in terms of they have to continue win because again the Metro is the most competitive division in hockey. Yep, Mike. Getting more into the Metro. So you know, last last night. The um, I guess much like the Black Knight and Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Columbus Blue Jackets got another point. Uh, they they held on to a three three tie in the third period against Nashville, who inexplicably couldn't take that game, but then eventually did in like an eight round shootout. I I think I was talking to you on the phone when that happened, so I didn't get to see the the full shootout. So you know you have that. You do have the fact that Carolina was talking to Chicago and apparently thought the price for Leonard was too high, but they never said the price for um, their other Crawford. goalie was too high. Crawford, thank you, was too high. So now it makes me think Crawford's probably their number one, but, you know, they could go after Anderson. That team gets the right goalie. That team will rise in the standings. That team is so much better than yeah. what their record is because they've been using the substandard goalie all year. We know that. Well, I, I think the, the thing that, that Don Waddell should factor in when it, can't, when it comes to Corey Crawford is durability. He's already got two goalies injured, and Corey Crawford, right. even though he's been healthy this year, has had his last couple of years a trouble staying healthy. But That's you, could why bring I, up, you could bring up Ned Yelkovic as the backup sure. and not worry about that so much because he's a really good goalie too. Sure, I, I agree. And we, we talked about it earlier in the year. We thought this would be his opportunity, but they've stuck with Morozik and, and, and Reimer. Um, uh, the thing is, it's funny because uh, what I've said to you last night when you were talking about the Flyers and the fact that, you know, Flyers fans might be, like, looking up, to, oh, we're only four points behind, five points behind Pittsburgh and Washington. And I'm looking at the situation, and I'm looking down and saying, saying the fact that you're at 61 games, Carolina's at 59, and the Islanders are 59, and they're three points behind you. I'd be more concerned with the teams right on your heels than the teams that you're trying to catch. Uh, but Columbus right now, you know, they've so many injuries, Bjorkstrand out, uh, Seth Jones out, Atkinson out for a couple weeks. You know, they're at 62 games, 73 points. I- I'm sorry, I-, I admire what they've done this year. I think Tortorella, even if they don't make the playoffs, should be a nominee for Coach of the Year. But with nine players on in- injured reserve, I don't know how they stay in this. So, I but they do have, but they do have plenty of cap space, and probably could pick up a couple of players again at at the deadline to stay in it. They could. Yeah, but they got more holes in them than than the Bismarck after the after well. the, after the British, you know, sank it. I mean, that that's the problem. It's like which ones do you patch? I mean, you can spe- you can you have tons of cap space unless you're taking sat like team salary. Ask Torts. Ask Torts. He'll know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he can't trade for Stu Bickle. I know, um, but. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, they, they're probably going to hope and hope for some of their injured players to come back, maybe make an addition or two. I wouldn't waste my what draft picks I have left. I would just try to go with what you got and hope and pray that you you get in because you, there are too many holes to fill. 
Yeah, I mean, Nathan Gerby is his Stu Bickle, especially when he took down Travis Sanheim in that wrestling <laughs> match. <laughs> I mean, there's no question. That was entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that's like a, he looks like a future Leaf. <laughs> but <laughs> talking about the deadline, let's talk a minute about Chris Kreider because what I find very interesting about that is we're hearing both camps, right? We're hearing, well, he really wants to stay with, as a Ranger. Sure he does. Like, and then we're hearing, like, well, the Rangers, you know, really want to sign him. Sure they do. But they had all summer to do it, and they didn't. And then it went into the season, and they didn't. So I always take the skeptical view on this and say, it could have been done yesterday. It could have been done the day before yesterday. It could be done right now, and we could have gotten an email already. But it's not. And so while we keep talking about it, for as long as the clock keeps ticking, I still think he's leaving. And it's probably over years. Now, at the last minute, is it possible that, you know, Larry Dolan says, hey, James Dolan, rather, Larry's his brother, right? James Dolan says, hey, pay the money. And they just do it? Sure, because owners do that. But end of the day, Ant, it, it, this could have been done before. And it really, for him to sign Monday morning could happen. But it rarely happens when we're talking about these situations. It's the hours definitely get. I mean, beyond the fact the hours just getting late. Period. It's just yeah. Things sometimes deals do do sometimes come together very very quickly, and it's usually if the owner, as you stated, has to kind of push push yep. the uh, the pedal to the metal in this circumstance. I, I don't know. I, again, I would have leaned probably towards him getting traded, but again, the streak kind of does play a bit of a role here. Um, you know, it, 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 as long as they're sort of keeping themselves in range. And as you said before, if they see him as a future captain, they, today's got to be the day where they got to make some hay with regard to the negotiations. So that by the time they roll out on Monday, or, or you know, throughout Monday, that it's just a matter of determining final things here again if you're getting into monday go you know if you're getting into tomorrow you're you're really running out it's just it's, it's real it just gets really tight and it, it and again then you have to start looking again at potential suitors we know boston's out of the mix after making the kasha trade although they could potentially you never know um it's just trying to figure out suitors carolina is another possibility um uh, but again we just I can't get a heads or tails on it. I would be not surprised either way. Yeah, and, and sure, and, and St. Louis, I think you did mention them, right? They, St. Louis as well, yeah, St. Louis as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely in it. So, I don't know, Mike, what's your, what's your thought? Like I said, we rarely see a player sign a big contract like the morning of the trade deadline. Right. can't even remember the last time that happened. Yeah, I, I, I can't. Uh, but I think this, is, this was a leverage play from the very – Outset. I think the, the Rangers said, okay, we're going to go to him at the 11th hour and see if we can get the term and the term that we want. You know, we have certain guidelines about what we want to give him because he's, what, 28 or 29 years old. So they don't want to give him eight years. They probably want to give him five or six, you know, a, a contract similar to like Van Riemsdyk, what he signed with the Flyers. And that's as, probably as far as they want to go. And if they get him to succumb because he wants to stay in New York, then fi- all fine, you know, all, all well and good. But what I think is going to happen is he's going to stick to his guns, and they're going to trade him. And but that this was the this was their only play to get Kreider to take a deal that they deemed palatable. 
And because he probably won't take that, I think we're going to see him on the move. And I would be surprised, I'd be shocked if it is anybody other than Colorado or St. Louis. But it's always possible that somebody comes out of the woodwork at the 11th hour and makes the deal. Well, and I and I do, yeah, that is always possible because you know there's always there is always that unnamed team that does that. It happens mystery every trading team. deadline. <laughs> yes, the mystery team always comes in okay. there, and and for this kind of player, I could see it happening. The other thing, though, and I don't think it's coincidental, is, you know, right now Julian Gauthier is playing with the team. He's not playing big minutes, but he's having a little bit of an impact. Kreider leaves. He's taking over that Kreider role. won't be on the same line, but he's essentially going to take over that role. I mean, Jeff Gordon got him for a reason. He got him because he saw that, hey, if I lose Kreider, this guy could potentially in a year or two be Chris Kreider. So, and not to that degree, I think Kreider's higher skilled, but... But a reasonable a, facsimile. Yeah. But a reasonable facsimile of it. And, and so, you know, that's also a play in the Rangers' favor. So it'll be interesting. Uh, do we all agree, though, that even though there's a little bit of a need here, that the price is so high for Georgiev that he's not going anywhere? I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. And, I, again, I don't buy this stuff about there being a, you know... Uh, a 50-50 chance that, that Lundqvist goes. Yeah. Lundqvist is not going anywhere. He's staying no, I there. Know. Maybe in the summer, if, he, if they keep, uh, if they keep you know, harping on him and saying, well, we're going to play Shashurkin, we're going to play Georgiev, and you're going to be you know, the third-string goalie, then maybe mm-hmm. he says, okay, let me go someplace else. But I, I, honestly, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be dictated to. I really don't. Right. No, I, don't, I agree with that. It's going to be very it, – it, 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 the, the, the Rangers would be taking a tact here that I think uh, would be – I would be surprised by if they, if they decided to, to say that to him and say well, we're going to go with – ostensibly of what would be the, 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 the uh, Russian equivalent of the, of the Van Beesbrook Richter pairing yeah. to determine who's going to be, you know, the long-term goaltender. I think yeah. one of those two young goalies will be getting moved, but I think it will be in the I, – I definitely think it's going to be more of a summer move um, yeah. more than anything. Yeah, again, I don't think anybody wants to see history repeat itself with what yeah. happened with Glenn Sater and Brian Leach. That took a long time for Brian Leach to get over. It did. I mean, he yeah. and again, again, he was yeah. still mad about it, you know, four or five years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't think they want the PR disaster of what happened years and years ago with Jacobin. No. Um, where, where, you know, I mean, the, cr- the crowd chanting his name. When he yeah, I watched that game. It was, it was bizarre because that was my favorite goalie. And I was new. I was a pretty, you know, pretty new hockey viewer, and it was crazy. Like that was the first time I'd seen like one of my favorite players go to another team, but let alone play against them next game. Like that's just that was nuts. So yeah, you don't you don't want that. Continuing with the trading deadline, and we'll go back to you. Mm-hmm. The Philly the Philly thing is interesting because, like, I don't want to say I was listening to clownish radio yesterday on Philly on the way home. And, you know, your, your quick answer is always like, well, why are you listening? But you know I'm a radio junkie, so I'm going to listen, right? So, yeah. but I heard everything from, like, you know, from callers and a little bit from online, um, from hosts, but callers like Dylan Larkin and Jack Eichel and all this stuff to, well, let's get, let's get Pajot, and, of course, they were killing his name, uh, Let's just get him, 
And it's like all these things are nice, but there's a lot of a lot of things that have to happen just to get one player for this team, and they still don't know about Patrick, Nolan Patrick. We don't know about him. They might know by now, but I'm not sure they do. And from what I could tell last night, Shane Gostaspier played a reasonably good game for Lehigh, mm-hmm. but yeah, but but that's probably not enough to trade him. So he's probably untradeable at this point. So what's your feel? My feel is for Philadelphia. I think I think they would certainly like to make an impact move. That's my read um, in terms of getting you know if they feel that they can really strike while you know while they if, if, if management has them is convinced that the opportunity is there and that the East the East can be potentially won. You've got I think it's going to be very tough. I think with with Tampa, I think really ready to. I think Tampa's going to be really ready to. They're run. a different team right now. Yeah. They're a different team, I think, mentally, and also and also their setup. I think. Do I think they can yep. play with Tampa? Yes. Do I think they can beat them? Probably not. That said, uh, if you're looking to make, it, it depends on again when you're this close to the cap, you're going to have to shit. Again, salary's going to have to be done, or uh, the salary salary, or you have to convince the other team to you know eat some salary in order to make the deal happen, and you've got to give up something of particular, you know, pro, you know, possible prospect value in this circumstance in order to make the salaries work. Um, I just, it's a lot of moving parts within the next two days that I think, you know, it would have been by today, you know, throughout today and then getting into tomorrow um, that Philadelphia is going to have to t- take a look at here. My read is I think they will make a move, but um, I think all, all in all, it's going to be more along the lines of trying to solidify the bottom six, getting potentially someone who could allow them to not play Scott Lawton at third line center to move him to the wing, which which I think he's as good a game as obviously he had. Yeah, I think he's, his game is actually far more effective on the wing than it is at center. So I would say possibly again, you're looking at a, 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 a you know a third line center. I think is Philadelphia's most likely scenario if they're going to acquire anybody, whether that could be, you know, a Chris Tierney from Ottawa. Again, um, Barclay Goudreau, someone along those lines, I think I would put more of a likelihood on than a Pajot. And, again, Pajot is certainly someone I think, you know, offensively who can give you a nice jump. It would very much be a rental for Philadelphia, I think, in this circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you would allow you to potentially – I think he's a rental for anybody. I'm going to be honest. I think – Exactly. I think yeah. I agree with you there. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, what can they do to keep him? I said, well, it's going to be kind of tough, I think, with the, with the, especially with Philadelphia's salary structures right now. And also when you have Patrick, when you have Morgan Frost, who you want to get up here and be a major yeah. – and, and be contributor soon. And so. his agent and his agent's probably telling him, this is your best bet of getting a big free agent contract. Don't blow it. Now, the one thing I will say is after discussing with you people, you know, with Pajot in Philadelphia is whether or not how Pajot will fit uh, within Elaine Vigneault's system. We know he's, you know, he's very offensive. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. His game, his game is very offensively minded, which obviously, you know, in Philadelphia, from the offensive perspective, isn't necessarily suffering. They're looking to solidify their roster situation to replace what they thought they were going to have with obviously having Nolan Patrick in this year. So right. that I think is it's more the trade deadline is more about that than anything. We, I know they're out. There's no way that they're going to be in on the defense, on the defensive market, unless something shakes loose that they don't expect. So that's the most likely target in this case, um, I would say for Philadelphia. Right. And Mike, I mean, I know there's this, we hear guys like Tyler Ennis and, and Vlad Nemestikov, I'm not buying the Nemestikov 
dad's a Leaf Scout thing because the Rangers got him in a trade when those situ- you know, all those conditions were there and the Leafs didn't get him then, right? So I don't think the Leafs are going to get him now because I don't think no. they wanted him then. I, I think I, they, they passed on him then, essentially. I think that might be a factor in free, in free agency in the summer when sure. they're looking for, for more forward depth. But, no, I mean, I think the, the, the last three or four games that uh, may dissuade uh, Dubas to go out. You know, they, supposedly they were interested in Bogosian as a stopgap for a few weeks. Uh, now, supposedly, their interest is cooled. Uh, I don't think they're going to trade for Nemestica. I think that they're, you know, this is sort of a come-to-Jesus moment where Dubas is saying, why am I adding and why am I spending more assets when this team is clearly flawed? If we make the playoffs, we make the playoffs. I think that what they're going to do is probably sell Barry and hope that they can, you know, flip whatever package they get for him to get another defenseman. I've heard, you know, Vancouver and Troy Stetcher or a one-for-one with T.J. Brooks or other things like that. I mean, I don't know if any of these are true, but I think they're probably going to move, move uh, Barry, but I don't think that they're going to go out and sort of hole plug because it's sort of like Columbus in terms of why, you know, there's so many holes. Why are you going to continue to try to fill them when you're not at the level of the top four in the Eastern Conference and you're not, you're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year? Uh, just on the, on the Flyers, I, I don't know the, if the, there is the will there and the, the willingness there from Chuck Fletcher to trade what it's going to be necessary to get Pajot because Ottawa is looking for a first-round pick and probably an A or B prospect. And if, if they don't get that, then they may keep him and, try to, and, and pay him what he wants to, to re-sign him. I think that they're going to go down the road of, you know, Malker Carlson, Trevor Lewis, you know, guys like that where they can plug him in third, fourth line, and, and, you know, I, I don't think that that home run third-line center is out there unless they're willing to overpay, and I, I don't think Fletcher's going to overpay. No. Um, here's a, a thing Pierre Lebrun tweeted a couple hours ago, that if the Canes aren't able to get a goalie, they'll call up Anton Forsberg and Ned <laughs> Yelkovic. Now, you really don't want Anton Forsberg to play. That's what Mike's Sign- getting at with, with that. <laughs> Sign David Ayers to a two-year contract instead of playing Anton Forsberg, for Christ's sake. <laughs> no, but, but here's my take. My take is Don Waddell has to come out with a goalie at the end of the day today. He, he yeah. cannot wait till tomorrow. He has to overpay. He has to do this because this team can go pretty far in the playoffs. If they don't get a goalie, I seriously as an owner have to look at my GM and say, how is this not possible? Just make it happen. I mean, Ant, it has to happen. Yeah, I would agree on that front, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, it has to happen. So, we'll, we'll see about that one. I mean, that'll certainly be interesting. Mike, um, you didn't get to see the, the full impact on television, but you were watching from the um, press box. Jake Gardner, I think, was trying to help the Leafs win in a Canes uniform for a little while in that game. We didn't really talk about that. Well, it's, it's, it's hilarious that I read James Myrtle's piece in The Athletic, and he was talking about different options for the Leafs trading Barry, and, you know, Stetcher was mentioned, and Brody was mentioned, and a few others. And then he mentions Jake Gardner, who, by the, who basically, by December, Don Waddell has been trying to trade him because right. he realizes that it's been a mistake. And I, I talked to a Carolina official in the press box in Buffalo in December and asked how is Gardner doing? And the 
Carolina official said, just okay. So he used the Randy Carlisle line. And if you look at that team and you look at the plus minus on that team, and everybody, the, the worst plus minus except for Gardner is minus seven, and he's like minus 21. He's a disaster, but he's been a disaster for five years. And nobody just, you know, it was always shrouded in this analytics bull crap. And now he's with another team. He's not facing the pressure that he did in the Toronto market. And you know what? He still sucks. So I'm not surprised. I really am not surprised at all. And any follow-up? Um, I'm not sure what I don't, I'm not sure what, what provides Mike with more a, uh, aggravation: Jake Gardner or or the Gardner Highway? Not sorry, the, the Highway in order to get into Toronto. <laughs> well, I, I eliminated that aggravation because I take. I know the train. that's the reason but, why you you got on top of that early by starting to take the train instead. <laughs> but, but but Anthony, you should have better made a better comparative. It, it was Jake Gardner or Martin Marinson. That one is a that one's a fifty fifty race. Oh boy, I'm not going. I don't want to go with Marinson because you 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 you've been you were on a tear on Marinson the other day online. So I was just like, you know what. That would be an easy. That would have been an easy cord to pull. So I'm going to be nice you, and not pull. And I was trying you, to be nice. Remember, do you remember Christian Okoye was called the Nigerian nightmare? Well, yeah. Martin Marinson Martin is called the Slovakian nightmare to his own team. All right, all right. So I do have some stats. So, so here here are a couple stats for for Igor Shesterkin, which again now maybe he may be in the Calder race. We. We all thought Kale McCarr had it wrapped up, and then Quinn Hughes might have had it wrapped up. We've got to see what happens in the next 20. But right now, he's 9-1 with a 9.40 save percentage. And he also, in his last 10, now this is an amazing thing from Rangers PR that came out with. So since saves were first tracked, which is 1955 and 6, I can't believe they didn't track saves. Like, and to me, it's like you were into the 50s. How could you not track saves? Like, it's just after all the stats that even in the 50s would, would occur in a baseball box score, just seems like they were lazy about it. But anyhow, he has four 40-plus save games as well as four 40-plus saves wins in his first 10 career appearances, and that has never been done, Anthony. Wow. Remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's an interesting outlier kind of kind of number there, but I was I, I would Ant, were you kind of tra- surprised that saves weren't tracked until fifty five, fifty six? That that surprised me. It, it's it's a little bit. I mean, did they, how? I guess I'm like I guess when we're looking at it versus other sports. I guess you know you should. I, would you would figure you there would saves would be tracked, but I'm wondering whether or not you know in that era whether or not. You know, if you got four, five, six, you know, in succession, whether they thought that was going to be in that era too subjective, whether or not yeah, I, determining what a shot, you know. I mean, I could just see like a. If you don't let up goals, then uh-huh. count, then any of those good things that don't, don't go in. So maybe back in that era where they were not differentiating between, you know, if it's shots on, if they listed it as being general shots versus shots on goal. Because some sports do that, like soccer, for yeah. example. They count a shot, but if it's not all, they'll count it. But it'll be it'll have shots and then on goal. So I'm wondering whether or not back then there was certain, whether or not there was a differentiation between that back in that era. So it's it's very interesting to think about. I mean, it just thinks to me it's just like you know what did they basically do? Go to the goaltender, you know, 
whoever it might have been, maybe it was Bauer, and you just say, hey, how many saves did you make? I don't look know. At my face. I, I think I look stopped at my 20. Face and tell me. Yeah, certainly yeah. In an era where there's no mask. They, they said, look at my face. How many, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's just, Mike, it's crazy. It really is crazy. Yeah, I don't know how much more I can add add to it than that, so I'll just leave it as is. <laughs> That's fine. So getting back to the deadline, Mike, who who haven't we talked about that you feel is a uh, a key cog that will get traded, a, a top player? Well, I mean, past Kreider and Paggio, I, mean, I think the Kovalchuk thing is interesting because I, I was talking to some people yesterday, and they're like, well, all the, the Canadians should, may, may just keep them. And that would be so typical Montreal. It would. You have, you have something fall into your lap, you know, and, and essentially, you know, he's played pretty well. And it, granted, it's been in a top six role, which he probably won't play into a team that he gets traded no. to. But and now Bergevin is asking for at least a second-round pick and a prospect. And I'm like, okay, I get the second-round pick. He's a $700,000 player. He's an expiring contract. It's a low-risk, low, you know, it, it makes sense to ask for that. But to, to lop the prospect on top of it is just overkill. And if they keep him past the deadline in some, like, if, if they think that they're still in it, which they're not, neither is Buffalo, um, you know, then – it's just the ultimate in stupidity. So I, if I'm Bergeron, I get as much as I can. I wait as long as I can to get the, maybe the market to go up a little bit, and I trade him. And then if you want him back, you re-sign him in the summer. I had somebody tell me yesterday, though, about the Sabres, that basically Botterill has sent an email out to everybody saying, whatever you want, make your best offer. So they've got seven unrestricted free agents, Sherry, VC. Larson, Gergensons, I would be shocked if they don't move at least three of their UFAs before 3 p.m. tomorrow as well. Okay, but Ant, I'm going to go with, what if one of your emails ends up in a spam? Like, why wouldn't you send a text? It's another option. Yeah, you would think that would be another option, right? I mean, like, what, what if he's sending something... What if he's sending something to, I don't know, let's say Jeff Gordon, just because, and, and Jeff Gordon, you know, on, on Tuesday goes, I never got it. And then he goes, check your spam. You know, it's like, send a text. Come on, Botterill. <laughs> and what's your, what's your feeling on Kovalchuk? Um, it's interesting right now. I, I, I find that the, the fact that they are discussing a possible extension really interesting, but I do think it's part of, but I get, do think it's part floating that out there as part of negotiation is, is part of the negotiating ploy here. I think to try to see if other teams are going to be willing maybe to to ante up a little bit more to say, hey, we value him enough that we're thinking about keeping him around longer, but with a decent offer, yeah, yeah, we won't. So we'll see. I wonder how many fax machines are left in the NHL, like for teams. Do we think they even have them anymore? Or do we think they'd still use them? Well, we know the Alex Dezito probably bashed his in after the um, <laughs> after the uh, Chris Gratton incident, right? <laughs> well, I, 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 th- I think I think Bill Waters took a baseball bat to the one that the, the Leafs had because it cost them Jared Stoll and uh, another, another player that they tried to sign before the deadline in, in June for for Kyle, I think it was for undrafted free agents. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so Kovalchuk aside, and I and you know we hear Boston, but we hear Boston for everybody, so I don't know if that's if that's legit or not. Um, I kind of wonder 
on the Ryan Miller front, if he's really going somewhere, I'm going to start with Mike. It does seem like there's increased talk like he may indeed go somewhere, like he's actually thinking about it this time. I think it would make sense if it's a team that has a genuine chance at winning because he's never won. He came close, obviously, in 06 and 07, but he's never really had an opportunity to win a cup. I mean, if, he, if uh, you know, Colorado in the sense that uh, I think they need some insurance because of, uh, because of uh, Grubauer's injury. They, they, ironically, they just signed Franz Suze to a two-year yeah. extension, so they're a believer yeah. in him. But yeah. I think they just want to make sure that, that they, uh, you know, they have that backup, uh, uh, that backup plan just in case. But I don't see a great goaltending need with any of the top four in the, in the mm-hmm. East. I don't think Washington or Pittsburgh or Tampa or Boston needs any, ba- any goaltending help, and neither does uh, St. Louis or Dallas in the West. So, you know, it's, it's either Colorado or maybe Carolina, and I don't know if I would consider them, like, leading Stanley Cup contenders. So, I mean, it would make sense for him to, to go to one of those teams because they have a need, but I don't know if it increases their chances of winning a cup or not. Okay, and, and I'm going to go to you with, you know, in that Sharks-Ranger game, there were some weird things that happened. One puck went off of, Joe Thornton skate. It was a bank off of Shesterkin and went right in. So he got two goals. Jesper Fast got two goals. Both those guys could be traded. Fast is actually at like 12 goals now this mm-hmm. year, and, and it's a career high. He's a good player. He's a good, useful, real, you know, cheaper kind of player. And then you got Methuselah, Joe Thornton, who may finally go somewhere. Um, yeah. What's and, your and what's your feeling? Marlo, what's your feeling on that? And you never know with Marlowe. I mean, if it's if That's for true. a couple months. You know, he, that, this is probably his last rodeo here, so he, he may go just for a few months and then and then wrap it up. Um, I could easily see Joe, now that they've dealt off David Backus, I could easily see Joe Thornton <laughs> wearing a Bruins uniform again. No. No way. I, 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 I don't oh, think I don't that. Know. I'm sorry. You're, I, I, I just don't see it. I mean, I really no. don't. Because, you know what, he'll go. I'm not seeing him anywhere he'll... else. That's the thing. I, 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 can, I just, I'm trying to mentally pick. I think it's more of a case of. Well, what about, like, Vancouver? Them. What about well, Vancouver? Keeps him on the West Coast. It's a Canadian maybe. team. Maybe. I, maybe. I heard, I, I, I heard, I heard Dallas. Elliot Friedman mentioned Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, and, Dallas is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah because Pavelski is there, and mm-hmm. you know, it was only talking about a couple a couple months. I mean, in terms yeah. of you know work, and uh, I mean, up until a couple of days ago, they said Toronto was interested. But if he's interested in going to a team that's going to win the win the cup, that's not Toronto. So I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, with Fast, I kind of wonder. I think about teams like the Calgary Flames, teams that need a guy that they can sort of plug in and do a lot of different things, maybe even a Vegas, maybe even an Edmonton. Like Edmonton could probably afford a, a Jesper Faust. And so I kind of think – that Ennis potentially could as well. They're, they're very similar yeah. in terms of uh, their style. I could see yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, interestingly enough, Arizona's hanging in there. You have to believe they're going to do something. I don't. I don't know what Kempner's outlook is. Does anybody? They, anybody they know? He, they said he's on the verge of coming back, but we heard that, and then he okay. got tweaked. So it, they better hope that he's coming back pretty soon because I think they really need him 
to to have a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, they could have won the division if he was there. Now, and they still can. I mean, the division stinks. Um, they're only four points back, even with all that. So we have to believe Arizona is going to do something. Uh, a guy like Fosk would fit in Arizona, I think, and Ennis would be good for Arizona. Uh, do you guys even have any other thoughts, maybe, for the Coyotes? I, I feel like this is a big year with a new owner. Like they they have to do something big. Well, I think they've already thought that they did something big with Taylor Hall, but I think yeah. they still have they still have to do something. I don't know how much. Right. Well, I don't mean to. big, but I mean something at the deadline that that has at least some impact. Well, I, they I believe they lost Demers to injury, and I'm not I've not been a big fan of their bottom three on on, on defense. I think Chickren's really good, Ekman Larson, yeah. and you know Goligoski. But I if they if there's a rental defenseman out there that they can add with, that doesn't cost too much, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And the funny thing is, like all these teams in the in the in the West right now that are fighting for the the wild card spots, I think Calgary's going to add. They have cap space from trading for a leak. I think Nashville is going to try to do something because you know they're they're still in it. They're only um, a couple. They're only three points behind Calgary. Winnipeg is probably going to add defense. So I mean, it, it's and I, I the Eric Gustafson stuff in Chicago. Chicago should be dumping. They should be dumping out. But I I don't know what it is there. But they seem to be hesitant to ever dump. Um, but I, if I if I was them, I would trade Gustafson and get as much as I can for him. Yeah. No, I I, I totally agree. And and know, I wonder looking, about late. I, I do wonder about. I mean, the goalie situation, too, but I guess I know there's been some, some, some whispers about Lanner, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I think the biggest reason was the other day was when we had the uh, the misinformation about yeah. uh, Ilya Sorokin going to Chicago. For a brief window, you thought, oh, maybe Lanner's going to be getting flipped elsewhere, and then right. kind of died off. So I don't think, I don't think Lanner's going anywhere now. But well, the only thing I could add, the only thing I could yeah. add, I checked with my Russian source, and Sorokin is completely focused on the playoffs. So unless something word comes out from the states, you will hear nothing out of Russia. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what I was told. So that that if even if that happens, who knows? Unless it's something that impacts the daily <laughs> roster, they probably won't even acknowledge it. So <laughs> so just just so we we know about that, that'll that'll be another interesting thing. I think. I think ultimately Kreider will go to Colorado, and I'm, I think they should, you know, get Connor Timmins. Um, Mike, other than Zach Bogosian signing with the Leafs today, what else do you think will happen for the Leafs? Um, I, I don't. First of all, I don't think Bogosian signing with the Leafs. Um, all right. I, would you like to place a wager on that? I feel like I, I want to place a wager. <laughs> okay. You know, a, a, a frothy beverage the next time you come to the wonderful. Garden spot of the universe, Buffalo, New York. Done deal. Um, okay. The, okay. You already got um, cookies from me yesterday, so there you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> I did. I got paid back. Anthony gave me some great Keebler cookies. I shared the one with him. That was part of our deal on the show. He paid up. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, make sure you bring some of those to Montreal there, Anthony. Um, I, 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 I Honestly, it's like I, I thought that there was a chance that they would try to make like an addition, an additional forward move. I don't think that that Dubis is going to like say, you know, I'm done. I'm not doing anything. I think there, I think there's a very good chance they move Barry, um, if they can get something back that helps helps them. Even if it's a couple draft picks. I mean, they 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 don't have a ton of draft picks 
after after the trades that they've made with for Campbell and Clifford and then the the Marlowe deal, um, you know, could they could they trade Barry to Carolina and get their first round pick back with nope. Pesci out possibly long term? I, I don't I don't think I so, it. but. I doubt it, but I think they could get probably a conditional first and a additional draft pick for Barry, and they could they could flip that for another defenseman if that's what Dubas is trying to plan. But I, I at best I, I don't see them going for rentals. Uh, if there are other if there are players out there they they can retain, they might do that. But I think other than Barry, they're not going to do much. And my last thought is we haven't talked about the Panthers. I mean, it's a horrible year out of Bob, but they're kind of stuck with them. So they're probably going to try and do something where either they tweak their offense or they make their defense better. I don't think they're trading Hoffman. I think they're going to ride that one out. But do you have a feel for any player or what sort of strategy they might do before we, uh, we're done with this? Mm. They could potentially more. They, they, they need to possibly sh- to shore up the blue line in front, of, um, in front of Bobrovsky. I think any defensive personnel that they feel like they could help you know, kind of cover in front. Because, again, we're seeing it now, you know, that, you know, sometimes you take as, as great as Bobrovsky was in, in Columbus. It's a good structured system in place, and it's going to take a lot. I mean, most people thought, hey, you know, Quenville, this should be this should be great. This should all match up well, and it just hasn't. So, and the way Quenville likes to play, I think he needs – the more solid defensive-minded defensemen who will help, kind of will help him kind of clear the porch out a little bit more. I know it sounds like a little antiquated, but it's something that I think he needs a little more of because I think the workload in, in Florida has been probably great, even greater than it was even in Columbus. I'll throw well, the Florida Hail Mary out there, Mike, and then you can comment, and then we'll, yep. we'll call it a day. Maybe Matt Dumba. Maybe they try and do something big for that. Yeah, it, that, that would uh... – that would have to be part of these Trocheck rumors because uh, we know right. that Minnesota is looking for a center. If you're gonna, if that's a, if there's a potential of a blockbuster, that would be it. I, I don't know. All I know is I, what I've heard is that uh, Dale Talon has been looking, look, is looking for a veteran defenseman that he can play with Ekblad. I mean, right now it's bizarre that Quenville is playing Matheson and playing uh, uh, Pizik on the wing yeah. on the on the third or fourth line. I know that after they traded Mulgan, they called up Sorella, and he's played what really well the last couple games. So I think that helps their forwards a little bit. I'm all, I almost think that they should trade for a forward so they can move some of those guys back to defense. But I think Quenville playing them up front is a commentary on how bad defensively they played. So I'll go, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say Ron Hainsey. Okay. I'll tell you two weird things I saw, and then we're really done. Both Anthony and I remarked, "Why is Kevin Hayes on the Flyers' power play?" And he and he cleared a puck over the over the glass quickly into that power play. And then Mike, when I heard when they when the Leafs took off the first power play because they were just sort of penalizing them for for being bad, Malgin was on the power play. I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, well, and things were things were in flux at that point because <laughs> because because Barry was hurt. And they had played. They were playing Rasmus Sandin on the fir, on the first uh, on the first uh, power play. So then they had to put Muzzin on the on the second power play, and they 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 put Malgin on the wing. Which I'm like, the guy but Malgin was to- never going to shoot. If you want to put somebody on the power play that's never going to shoot, it's Malgin. Yeah, and and he passed 
basically to the red line. It's like, you know, right. he, he, he's on the half boards, and he throws the pass back to the point, and it was only about 10 feet away from where the player was, and it was basically, it was at an angle that was going to the center, center ice face-off dot. So, yeah, that was really effective. All right. More fun to come. That's it for Off the Post for the trade deadline edition. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody.